listeners and folk who I was on in the background, I am your host Dean Shearer and welcome to the First Time Films Podcast. Tis the season my friends, so as we roll into December it's time to get heinous jumpers on, hole up with a cup of disgusting mulled wine and watch some Christmas movies. So of course the topic of today's discussion is the indisputable Christmas film Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan. Die Hard follows the story of an off-duty New York cop, John McLean, hoping to spend Christmas with his estranged wife in Los Angeles, when both of them are caught in a hostage situation at our workplace, Nakatomi Plaza, perpetrated by the cunning Hans Gruber. John soon realises no one is able to save the hostages apart from him. Today I'm joined by my two esteemed guests and friends of the show. AJ, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, AJ. Not too bad at all. I mean, I'm pretty cold. My feet are freezing. I need to put them on. <laughs> but I'm all right. And, uh, and you, Sweeney, how are you doing? I am very well. Very well, Ian. Not too bad at all. Fantastic. So no better way to kick off the Christmas celebrations than by watching a muscly American punk murdering nasty German robbers in the name of justice, <laughs> is there? So to kick off discussions, are you guys fans of the Die Hard series? Is this your first time watching? What do you guys reckon there? You, AJ? Um, this is my first time watching anything to do with Die Hard. Um, and I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. All right. Well, we can get we can get we'll into get that. into that. <laughs> <laughs> what you, Sweeney? Uh, you into the Die Hard series? Is your first time watching? Uh, first time, first time watching for myself. I'm almost acutely aware of the debate over whether it's a Christmas film or not. But <laughs> uh, I've never actually, I've, I've never actually seen it myself. So yeah, um, yeah, it was good, good watching it. Um, but yeah, I think um, I've, I've I've seen parts of not the original. Sorry, I've seen parts of the kind of sequel, so Die Hard Two, etc. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. The three. So I've seen a, seen bits and bobs here and there. But yeah, first time watching for myself. Ah, fair enough. Well, I mean, watching clips of uh, two and three and four and probably I mean, is there five? Is there six? I can't even remember. But uh, I know watching clips of it just isn't isn't what you want, man. The first Die Hard is yeah. definitely definitely the best one in my opinion. But uh, so initial impressions. Then what did you what did you reckon, AJ? Um, I think, I, I, to be honest, after all the references, obviously doing a film degree, after all the references I've heard, people talking about it, I went into this with like expecting it to be like one of those things. Everyone talks about it. I was, I had high hopes, and then it was slightly underwhelmed, just slightly, because I think I think it was unique for its time, obviously, because I did some research, and obviously it was the first like first of its kind like it's meant to be like the pinnacle of the action film and all that but I just think having seen what I've seen now and then going back to watch it I was slightly underwhelmed oh really well we can uh, we can dig into that a little bit what about, what about you Sweeney what was your first impression then yeah I would I think I would actually agree with what you're just saying there um, and I, I don't know if it's just if we're, we're spoiled with the kind of films you get these days and mm-hmm. And the quality that comes with that, um, it's obviously, as I said, it was probably a trailblazer in its time. But um, I mean, it's still still a very good, solid film. But um, yeah, I, I would probably say underwhelming. I think it, it, it gives me, might be a wee bit uh, over the top. But yeah, all round good, good film. Hmm. Well, so some kind of lukewarm reviews uh, jumping jumping in there. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into a little bit of specifics. Uh, let's have a look at the the character of John McLean. Obviously, kind of kind of seen nowadays as the quintessential 80s action hero um i mean do you know i i really like i really like jo- the john mcclain's character i feel like in comparison to maybe someone you know like rambo or terminator and terminator 2 or something like that he's definitely got a certain kind of vulnerability to him but you don't really see even though it doesn't really dive in far enough with that to make him like a totally kind of 
three-dimensional, super relatable character. What do you guys think about? What do you guys think about John? I mean, especially in the kind of in the kind of era that he was uh, that he was produced. Uh, uh, AJ. Well, like you said, like I think that he shows vulnerability that was new for the time, which is one of one of its redeeming qualities. I think the film is that. The character, he's like, he's not like anything special. Like he's, yeah, he was a cop, but he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he doesn't really, like, he's not having a good time of it, obviously. He's having problems with his wife. He's come over to spend Christmas. It's all a bit like dysfunctional family. And then he ends up in this situation. And I think throughout the film, obviously, he redeems himself, like, and all of his character flaws, we get shown them and then he redeems them, etc. But I think that having him be normal and not someone that's got like a superpower or extremely gifted or whatever, I think it was one of the redeeming qualities of the film because I think it made him more likeable. But I think, like you said, it didn't really go into it deep enough for me for that to be really like a, a key point of the film. It's the first few establishing scenes we sort of see who he is as a person and then the rest of it's like pure action yeah sure yeah i know he kind of he's kind of kind of kind of witty maybe sort of cynical cynical policeman yeah. but then i know but then it does kind of just descend into the kind of cheesy one-liners as it goes on mm-hmm. and what, what about you say what do you think of john mclean yeah i think he's a you know he's your kind of typical copy and paste action hero so like he's kind of uh, you know tough stubborn um kind of formidable but um yeah as, as you said you know he's kind of um the, <laughs> the kind of one-liners and stuff like that, i guess a bit i guess it gets a bit kind of outdated <laughs> towards the end but um as you said he's kind of got that kind of cynical side to him um but yeah i thought i, I thought I, I, bruce Wallace was kind of suited to he, he kind of plays that kind of character i feel and and not just this film but kind of films he's, he's play, um, played in across the years yeah. um so it's, it's suited it's a, it's a, a role that's suited to him i would yeah, like exactly. say I mean, uh, I- I think it's kind of nice to go back and watch kind of because um, this was like uh, Bruce Willis's first big action movie. Um, this was yeah. kind of propelled him to stardom. I think it's actually nice to go back and watch back back when Bruce Willis actually gave a fuck. <laughs> 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 because I mean nowadays, I mean with the kind of more recent Die Hard sequels, I mean there's some other kind of terrible action titles that he's been in, in the past like 10, 15 years. But it, it's so nice to go back. I think it's like I think back when back when Bruce Willis, I think this is when he was at his best, like kind of smug, kind of kind of smug and and charming but no i mean i think i mean despite all that i do think i do think he's a i do think he's a good character um i feel like the kind of the wit the wit that he has definitely adds adds to the movie because i mean i know i know you do have the cheesy one layers here and there but i think uh the writing still does stand up especially when you get to kind of his relationship with uh uh uh, officer powell you know the uh fella down (laughs) the fella down in the down the street chatting to him i feel like that's really where the heart of the movie is, you know, um, yeah, because you know it's like because I know, like uh, I know you're absolutely right. I, I feel like I feel like it might be like you'd be overstating it to say it was like a copy and paste hero, but I, I definitely know where you're coming from there. No, I was just going to say, like I, 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 I may have been a bit harsh actually. I, I would, I would actually agree with that. Maybe I maybe retract on that, but yeah, um, I, I think it is like. I mean, again, I go back to my point, and I think we're maybe a bit spoiled with the kind of quality of films you see these days. So I think I'm maybe just a wee, a wee bit kind of over the top. But that's uh, like, it's, I am a wee bit biased there because I'm I'm not keen on Bruce Willis as an actor. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, 
which, <laughs> I, which I, I don't know, is that a controversial opinion? I, know I don't you know what you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not mad on, on Bruce Willis, but I, I definitely do think he was, he was very suited to the role. Um, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make because he's kind of always plays the same kind of action heroes. I feel like. Um, I, I think yeah, there's some guys that just kind of fit in, just kind of fit into that category. I feel. I always yeah. wonder if he gets like cramped from his jaw from kind of pouting that much. You ever notice <laughs> that his face the whole way through the movie was just that kind of kind of like lip, lips got <laughs> in place, kind of little <laughs> sex machine. <laughs> well, considering the reviews on John McLean are also kind of lukewarm, let's talk about his, his uh, villainous counterpart, uh, Hans Grimmer, of, uh, of course, played by Alan Rigman. Uh, what did you guys think of him, uh, Ageless? What do you reckon? I loved him. I think that he was one of my favourite parts of the film. I think maybe I'm biased because I love Alan Rickman, but I just think he was so meticulously evil while also not being over the top. Yeah, sure. He's got that kind of, yeah, no, he has that kind of slick slickness to him. You know, it's like, um, I thought his performance was uh, totally electric, to be honest. You know, like, you're, kinda, you're totally in the room with him when he's, like, doing all that kind of, you know, that kind of like pseudo-intellectual chat mm-hmm. about Alexander the Great and talking about the, this classical education and all that. It was so kind of, uh, so kind of, so kind of sharp, and it's really brought to life that kind of that kind of sneering <laughs> Severus. Yeah, <snake. laughs> and and he's got like such a meticulous plan. He's thought everything through, and you can tell like he's been ready for this. He's he's got everything planned down to a T, apart from the fact that Bruce Willis is going to be there. <laughs> and and then it's like he's got this beautiful like woven plan of how this is all going to go and then Bruce Wells is just running around ruining everything and I just feel I almost feel sympathy for him because obviously like like he's just just yeah steal 640 million dollars you know <laughs> he's just your average villain just trying to get away with it do you know what i mean exactly they're having a john mclean in the works to uh steal his polished uh yeah. machine guns and blast them all I, did for- I did forget brussels's character's name there so thank you for reminding me <laughs> 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 he was just getting called brussels oh i almost feel like having not seen that hard before i feel like watching it it almost felt like Bruce Willis in actions like origin story because before this he was only he only had a one film that was like a romantic comedy and then this is his first ever action film and then look how many he's gone on to do so it's like this is like his origin in action which I do appreciate like the how it's like one of the first no yeah absolutely um and what do you what do you reckon to me how do you like Hans Gruber Ah, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't say it in bad against Alan Rickman. I think he's just uh, obviously he was an absolute superb actor, um, and I think he plays it all really well. Is that kind of cold and calculated, and yeah, kind of meticulous, as AJ said. Like, um, yeah, just a an all round solid performance, I think, from Mister Rickman. So, yeah, no, uh, no, 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 uh, Bruce Willis bias for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you're going. Of course, you're going to love him because uh, <laughs> antagonist. But uh, no, no. I thought Alan, I thought Alan Rickson, Rickson's performance was great, and uh, I thought Hans Gruber is just this kind of really kind of cool character. And I think he definitely, um, he definitely brings the film to he definitely brings the film to life because it could have just been your kind of other kind of uh, butch, probably Ger- butch German counterpart. To uh, to John McLean, there. I think um, oh, what's his name from Rocky Four? You know what's the I can't remember his name. <laughs> the big, the big, huge German oh, guy. Oh, like, Drago, 
Drago. Drago. That's yeah. it. If I Drago, yeah. <laughs> fact, was he German? Russian? Okay, I, I can't. Uh, he was Russian. Yeah, he was Russian. <laughs> ah, well, you know, you know, so 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 European and American action films. It's kind of funny thinking about how kind of um how kind of smooth and slick uh, Hans Gruber is compared to like the other villains. And how kind of more well kind of thought out the villains were. Uh, well, how as a villain is compared to the other ones because it's like you've got this kind of smooth, slick intellectual, and then it's just other kind of like brutish, <laughs> brutish Germans. Like, <laughs> stop! We must stop American man. But what 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 did you guys what did you guys think um, of the kind of other other kind of henchmen? Uh, what AJ? I think they were like obviously they played the role well as like the henchmen that are obviously just going to get killed. But um, I think. It was it provided a good contrast because they're like obviously you they're sort of the stereotype and then against that you're seeing Alan Rickman as this and uh, Hans Gruber is like this very interest he's like invested he's not just here for blood he's here for he's he's thought everything through and then you, again you've got Bruce Willis who's like they're both it's like they're playing a game of cat and mouse and the other guys are just running about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the wee kind of termites that they're just you're yeah. just brushing off. Just brushing off. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm actually kind of forgetting about um, the uh, the kind of hacker character. I think that was mm-hmm. actually maybe a missed opportunity that guy because it seemed like he had the kind of had the kind of witty, cheeky comments. Then by the end, he's just another one that has to just kind of be dispatched with. Yeah, but I think all of the characters, to be honest. Um, were all I think they were all kind of unlikable, including like the good guys. Like, see the the cops; they were still not very nice people. I don't think. Yeah, totally. In fact, that was actually a point that I wanted to um I wanted to discuss because it seems like I felt like um they were just like I know this is probably what they were going for because it was obviously Bruce Willis had to be the kind of lone hero who'd save the day at the end of the day. But I don't think see that police chief see that police chief. Yeah. Guy? It just seems to be a thorn in the side of every single decision with entire <laughs> weight. Like it makes no, it makes no sense. He's like, yes, I want to save that... people, but I don't want to help this guy save people. It was <laughs> Al 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 Powell. Was it? Was that his name? I can't remember. Wait, no, no, Powell was, was the Powell was the Powell was the nice fellow with the mustache. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of the kind of police chief who was like, oh, we got him in there. We don't even know if he's not a terrorist. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it seems like the like I don't know what what they're going for. But they just seem to reckon the police were bad at doing bad at doing everything. Yeah, like even at the start with that um that uh, police coordinator, he's literally going like, "There is a terrorist attack happening. There's people getting killed." And they're going, "Sorry, this isn't actually an emergency line. You got to call 911." <laughs> <laughs> I know there's that there's that one bit where the police are coming and they're almost at the building and then they do a U turn. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I, was like, I know, because they turned the alarm off or something. And I was like, but surely if the alarm went off, even if they turned it back off again, you would go check it out. Yeah, like, it why like... would you turn and drive away? <laughs> no, it's mental. And even even with the coordinator, like, even after hearing gunfire, <laughs> instead it just goes like, oh, that was a loud noise. Not thinking that, oh, maybe this guy's, tell- maybe this guy's telling the truth was saying... <laughs> There's one lone, there's one lone cop up to see what's going on. Yeah, absolutely nuts. I, I think that's that's you always get with these kind of older films. Like, like there's like no sense of realism at all. It just totally goes out the window. I feel. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely nuts. It's just like the, the authorities that be don't know what to do. It's gotta be John McLean, the lone, <laughs> lone to save the day as always. <laughs> 
So let's talk a little bit about the action itself because I kind of thought that um well I think well, this is where a lot of action was like seeing the kind of actual technical uh technical kind of spectacle of uh, these action movies. I think it was actually like some of the scenes that were just so fantastic. Um, did you guys have a couple of favourite scenes or what did you reckon about the kind of action based stuff? Well, I don't know about I I, I think as we've already mentioned, we're very spoiled now. And after seeing, like, Tenant and all that, I just feel like I'll never view normal stunts the same again. <laughs> but um, at the end, when Alan Rickman Hansgerber is falling to his demise, I really like that because he looked really shocked. Sure. <laughs> which I, I actually went because I thought it was really realistic and I was like oh he's a good actor but like he literally looked like he'd shot himself so then I went and googled it and apparently that was deliberate like they dropped him earlier than they were supposed to to make to make him look more shocked oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, really came through. That was a, that was such a great moment yeah. was, it, was, yeah. it, was it not like they, they had a countdown and then instead of like three they like dropped him on yeah. one and he actually did the stunt where he did like a 70 drop onto a trampoline so it's actually quite fine I, I would be scared and then yeah I just think that whole bit where like with the watch and the strap well, I just think that bit was so momentous so even though it was the climactic part that was my favourite I think oh cool and what, what about you Sweeney do you have any kind of favourite favourite action favorite action moments no mine was exactly the same I thought uh, the bit is obviously he's fallen the plaza just uh or is it Nak- nakatomo teller sorry am i saying that right? nakatomi uh, plaza, <laughs> nakatomi <laughs> plaza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah as you say that's definitely i would probably say it's one of the most iconic scenes in the film anyway um yeah that's that would be my, yeah. my show and also um bruce willis jumping off the building as well say off, oh, off the roof that was yeah. iconic. He seems to have a really good time with just tying himself onto things and then dropping yeah. them, dro- dropping down and them had- managing to hold them. I know, but the one thought I had when I was watching it, I was like, how many times as a as a New York policeman has he had to jump off of buildings? Because he seemed pure buzzing about it. <laughs> I know, it must, be the, it must be the best cop in New York. I know, <laughs> pure like Spider-Man and off buildings. Parker skills. <laughs> the guy's any given criminal. No, I mean, uh, that, that was definitely a great moment. Um, actually, I've been talking about um, him tying himself onto things and then <laughs> and hanging from him. I loved that moment. I thought it was, um, see, when he ties his, uh, he ties the kind of strap of the gun and the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I, was just on the, I was just on the edge of my seat with that. I think that's just, that is really where the, uh, where this movie shines, where it just kind of, I know because I know I feel like this might just be the kind of guilty pleasure of like eighties action movies. It's like yeah, it's like the stories are just like the story and characters and stuff. Like even though they can be, they can and are good in some spots here and there. I think you often find that it's like that it's like yeah, it's always just a setup for like watching cool shit. <laughs> just watching cool yeah. shit. And I actually think that the the premise was also just refreshing. Like, the fact it was all set in the one building, yeah. I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to, like, take my mind everywhere else because action films now are set in, like, five different countries. They're on a plane here, they're on a plane here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're in a car, they're driving to a different city, whereas this, it was just all in the one building and it was just, like... It took some of, like, the mental energy out of it. Sure. So you could just, think- just enjoy the explosions. I think it also gives it that kind of intimacy as well. Like it mm-hmm. maybe, like it maybe kind of even uh, make it more of a thriller as well as a kind of action. You're like trapped in a trapped in a building with a bunch yeah. of murderers over just like you know 
in an in an airfield in a jeep with a fucking machine gun yeah. inside. <laughs> but no, absolutely no, no. I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe not as much um, kind of like not doing that kind of like James Bond globe trotting. Yeah, uh, all over the place, like just like keeping it kind of intimate and, and sweet. But I think it's um, no, that was definitely a kind of that was definitely kind of highlight as well. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um. Of we're, we're going back into the kind of character stuff because I know that um, we kind of we kind of touched up kind of touched upon that. I was thinking about uh, John McLean's wife because it's kind of weird. It's like I was kind of thought well, it's been a while since I watched it. And I kind of forgot about the kind of forgot about the characters. But John McLean's wife, she's kind of present present as this kind of like super strong female kind of corporate like bit of a kind of bit of a kind of badass. Like we'll see we'll see what's on her mind, etc. etc. She's a career I, woman. Yeah, exactly. Window. And then I thought that they kind of like they just left that by the wayside because like they end up just going back into um, this kind of cookie cutter. She just has to become the damsel in distress. By the end, it's like ah, she's he's holding the gun, holding the gun. So she's like ah, John, help me. But uh, what did you guys think? Did you guys like yeah, got John John McQueen's wife like? I think that although it was a step back for feminism, <laughs> um, having her be the damsel in distress. Um, I do think it was important for the character development um, because obviously the whole, like, at the start, the establishing scenes basically show that they're having a breakdown in their marriage and he has to basically redeem himself. So by the end, by saving her, it's almost like like he's finally winning her back. Whereas at the yeah. start, she's pure hardball, ball, like, we're both too stubborn, it's never going to work. Do you know what I mean? And then by the end she needs him so it's almost like he's put in all this work and he's finally redeemed himself in her eyes so mm. I think for that character and like plot development I think that's important but like you said it was a bit sad yeah. <laughs> a, bit, a bit step back for the, the strong woman that we saw before sure and I, and I think it's like this does just kind of feed into the kind of like we're so spoiled for choice when it comes to like kind of uh, relatable and deep action-based hero so then you go back and watch something like this and you go like why didn't they just um why didn't they just push the boat further on some of these characters why didn't they kind of actually jump into more of their psychology or like their kind of uh, like empowerment or like what whatever this that the next thing but yeah no it's just it's just a, i feel like it's a shame that like I mean, I suppose these are just kind of treat these are true ways, but like these things had to cut these things have to come first because it was the it was the eighties. It was a different time for film, and this yeah. actually probably was a lot of a, a lot of a kind of more character driven, deep action film than you might have seen in the past. Yeah. And what about you? What about you, Sweeney? What do you think of um, um, Mrs. Uh, Ms. Gennaro or Mrs. McLean or uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever yeah. she preferred? Yeah, um, I would probably just kind of echo what AJ was saying. You know. Um, I think it was was it that Bonnie Bedilla. She she was the she was played. Yeah, that's Mrs. right. McLean, um, you know, very good actor. But as I said, in terms of her actual character, like it was like it was like character backtracking almost. Um, it just yeah, I, I agree. Kind of, uh, I just I've not got a lot. I've not got a lot to say. Enough to be honest, but I just I would just say that. It, I agree with the fact that she ended up just being this kind of damsel in distress, a little bit underwhelming, or kind of underwhelming end, um, if you like, to her, to her um, character finale. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've not got, I've not got too much to say. I wasn't didn't really have that much of an effect on the on the film itself. 
Yeah, fair enough. And do you know what I kind of thought just a wee kind of side though? Do you know I think it was odd that like uh, they'd uh, kind of like semi-separated and it'd only been like a few months, but she'd all, she was already um, using a different name. <laughs> yes. I was, yeah, I thought, I thought that I was, I was like, maybe if, she, maybe if she'd been there for like two or three years then uh, they'd mm-hmm. been separate. I was like, you've been away for, you've been away for a few months and you've already, you're already going, you're going by your... It's a, um, it's a bit savage. <laughs> no, exactly. I would have been gutted as John. Totally gutted. Maybe that's why he needed to save her in the end. Yeah, please exactly. take my name, please. <laughs> exactly, I know. <laughs> so the kids don't lose the name either. Uh-huh. So great. So I feel like um, we can um, kind of conclude the talking about the uh, film there. Um, I feel like we can move on to the uh, obligatory but also arbitrary uh, rating out of 10. So... Um, no, I'm actually interested to hear what you guys say because obviously we've been have, we've had some good points, we've had some bad points talking about this film. Uh, AJ, what do you reckon? Uh, I, I, had a- ten. I actually think I have to go rogue on this one and do two because I think in terms of of its time, what it was doing, and like obviously it's got lots of fans. DRC fanboys but um, of its time I'd say obviously it's like an 8 out of 10, most people would say 10 out of 10 because it it was entertaining, it's got it's got character development more than other things that at the time, the action scenes are great, the like protagonist is great the like Hans Gruber was a great character so I'd say of its time 8 out of 10 but comparing it to what we know now and the things we've seen now obviously Blade Runner will be my favourite film it it just doesn't match up with this the, the chase scenes, the action the entertainment so I, I would say 5 out of 10 so, 5 out of 10 Right, so the, maybe the maybe I need watch it when it came out, and then yeah. maybe not so much not so much watching it these days. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair enough. Um, and what about you? What about you, Sweeney? What would you give Die Hard at a ten? Uh, I would. I'll probably just go kind of in the middle there. I'd probably just. I'll see a seven. Um, I thought it was overall a very good film, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, but I, I, again, like I, I thought, as as sorry, just to, to kind of revert to what I said at the start, like I thought it was it was overhyped. Um, I think people are maybe get a kind of romantic view on it, um, of and just maybe think it's better than what it is. But um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll maybe watch Die Hard two and three and, and four and, and get back to you now. And well, I don't <laughs> depending think, on how they're going to come out. I, <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I was saying. Depending on how bad they are, I might uh, I might up it to an eight or a nine. But <laughs> um, yeah, so but yeah, yeah, it was thoroughly uh, it was a thoroughly good film. Uh, in any case, yeah, fair enough. About seven. Do you know, I'd probably give it about the same because, and do you know, the thing is though, I feel like actually I thought I liked it a lot more before I watched it in preparation for this um for this review. Uh, I, de- I definitely think like you know it, hit- it hits a lot of the right notes. It's definitely it's definitely witty and funny, and it's got a great villain. But um, also, yeah, I feel like it's also not quite as uh, impactful as me as I thought it was when I was younger. But no, but still, like, it's still definitely a good flick. Definitely a kind of fun watch. It's it's definitely more of a kind of turn your brain not turn your brain off and watch rather than like something more mm-hmm. more deep. Yeah. Like Alana's talking about maybe like I know maybe something like in a Christopher Nolan film, kind of something a bit more cerebral. So yeah, yeah, I'll probably sit at about a seven. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty comfortable there. But yeah, no, yeah. It's like I think it, I think it's funny that people like have that kind of romanticized view of it. It's like people think it's best action movie of all time, or at least the most quintessential action movie. But no, I think you're absolutely right. It's definitely a kind of it's definitely kind of all of its time type thing, and it still it still holds yeah. up. 
still holds up definitely, but um, definitely a good wee Christmas flick if you're tired of all the holly jolly and um, holly jolly mm-hmm. and cookies and smiles, which you always get. <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. So before we get into our news story today, we actually have a old uh, clip from a lost episode that uh, David has managed to recover some some of the clip from. So we're going to roll that and then uh, we're going to hop into the news story for the day. Let's move on uh, to an R franchise. An R franchise is James Bond. Uh, the next Bond movies had some trouble. Danny Boyle was going to be directing it, but he had some differences. Is, with Danny Craig is, Daniel, is Daniel Craig Bond still? He's coming back, yeah, because okay. the, the reason that Danny Boyle oh, uh, pulled oh, out directing it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I but. Well, he's back for the next one. Well, uh, mm. Whether we like it or not, he will be there. Well, I don't like but it. I'm just going to say don't. that right now before there's any... Milk. That's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm happy you don't like it. I'm, I'm buzzing. But what we don't know is his, who's going to be his villain. Uh, Rami, Rami Malik, who was in Mr. Robot and recently played uh, Freddie Mercury yeah. in the Union Rhapsody, has been linked um, to the villain role for the next Bond movie, which will be the 25th official James Bond film. Uh, so for our debate segment this week, I will be judging it, and the other three have picked who they would like to play uh, the villain in the next James Bond film. So I'm going to ask them who would like to go first. Uh, well, I'm going to have to absolutely wing it, so I'll go last. I'll go, okay. I'll go, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm a child. I'm a child. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn between a few different people, but like... Uh... Let's say first. I think. Hey, you only get one. If he, if he doesn't play Bond, you only get one. <laughs> if, oh, wait, what? Oh, come on. Let me get. All right, fuck. One choice, and you need to pitch him and a brief description of what you want the character to be. Oh, him. Oh, I didn't realize it had to be a him. Oh, <laughs> oh, she. Sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, well, thanks to Steve again. Uh, that is by order. <laughs> 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 the only 2000, the only 2019 you're hitting it with that shit. Uh, well, the thing is, I was thinking in my head, I hope someone picks a woman because there would be. I was, I was gonna, gonna, I was gonna say, no, no, honestly, I was going to pick a woman, but it was going to be so controversial. I was going to pick. Do it. If I had to say for a female villain, I think Tilda Swinton. I think would be. A damn so your answer's Tilda Swift. She's answer's Tilda Swift. Yeah, she's, she's a villain across the board. <laughs> like, but I think yeah. I think she would be... I don't know. She just seems... Yeah, any other villain roles that she plays, she seems pretty sinister in all of her roles. But even when she mm-hmm. plays someone that's not villainous, like it's... I don't, I don't know. I don't, she's just got that look. <laughs> she, she one of the best villains there's ever been. Was... Uh, Oh, what's what's her fucking name again? Uh, Carl, she's good, Daddy. Narnia. Which uh, <laughs> which which bit? Narnia. Stranger's real name. Oh, for God's sake! It's not you right now. Like, the show's turned hell in a Carter, and then you can go on to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, Joe. Yeah. Was what? What's up? That was just a wee throwaway comment. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I thought that was your pick. You right, Joe. I'm just got... strange. What? <laughs> Oh my god. Right, Peter, that's the one I'm gonna go, go with people. Peter Dinklage. What the fuck? I thought you were going with Tilda Swinton. How do you go? <laughs> Fucking Peter Dinklage. It's the same person. <laughs> no, I'm oh. joking. I, 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 think, I think Tilda Swinton would be a good villain. Either that or like. Uh... Okay, Tilda Swinton, what character is she playing? Give me, give me a. We. Oh, I don't have a character breakdown for her. I don't know. 
Right. I just think it should be. I think. I think. Operating Tilda Swinton from the inside. Yes. Yes. Levers, and that's it. That's the nice. That's terrifying. Okay, Joe, that's your pitch. Jack. Get the fucking Peter Dinklage operating Tilda Jack, Swinton. Jack, is yours, is, yours, is yours Tilda Swinton operating Peter Dinklage from the inside? <laughs> what is, what's your pitch? I mean, you can't, they, you can't be beat now. That, that's the villain. <laughs> I, I actually don't even want to say mine now. It's shite. Uh, but it's Ben Kingsley. Um, is that? Ben Kingsley. But is. Um, oh, shit, he's yeah. dressed in like traditional um, North African dress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I can't actually remember what it's called. Like, the, mad, the mad like pancho thing. Or poncho. Yeah. Pancho. <laughs> pancho. Okay. Thing. And the wee hat okay. in that. I don't know what it's called. Uh, uh, that's, right. what, that's what we'll be wearing. And you'll have tigers like cutting a boot. Uh, and we'll call them uh, Pentago. That's his Pintago. Okay. And Pintago. what is Pint- what is what is Pintago's um evil scheme? Evil scheme? Uh he wants to breed uh a, a, a human a human tiger hybrid. Uh so that he right. can so that he can like ride it into battle because it's like Oh. It's like on it's on two legs, but it's massive and it's a tiger, and he okay. can jump on the back of it. And uh, okay. J- James Bond's got to take him down. Okay, so I'm throwing right. it, can, I, it, can I cut this off? Because like your nitro thing for as much as the slider was quite good. If I let you like talk about the human tiger thing for like twenty minutes, <laughs> like I don't know where it's going to go. So I'm just going to leave That's this here. Just now. Right, I'm leave That's a problem. Here. You need to you need to not like. <laughs> Let me loose on these kind of things because if it's not if it's not scripted, then I will just continue to talk until somebody right. shuts me up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you stop. McCann, you. do you have a pick? I want to Mara... change my vote. Joe, before we do the actual pitch battle show, we need to work out a structure. McCann, do you have a vote? Is my, is my pick getting announced or what? Yeah, you're going to do it just now. Right, Mara Wilson, adolescent. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Who the fuck's that? Because Mara, Wilson, Mara Wilson's only real previous big role, to my knowledge, was when she played oh, Roald Dahl character Matilda. Uh, as a uh, Wayne. Uh, right? You are wanting us to play... Wait, wait a minute. Here, no, here's my reason. Here's my reason you're not going to hear me. See if you're going to interrupt me. Right, I'm not going to explain to you why I want to see an adolescent Mara Can I just ask a question, though? Like, is it is it back when she was playing Matilda? Like, the age she was playing Matilda, no. you want to... The age she was playing Matilda, you want to be... Adolescent. Okay. specified adolescent. I mean, she's been that okay. damaged for Danny DeVito and the other one. <laughs> she just she just loses her trench ball and she's she's obviously very 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 intelligent so uh, I'm surprising right. like it wouldn't be hard for her to create like a big multi fucking bad guys cop I don't know I know how to describe it but like, you always but aye cop it's sweet that would be my villain I think that would be outstanding and I I, th- I think I think mine's at least I think my answer's at least twice as good as Joe's and I don't even know what Higgins. I don't even know what Higgins was, so it's considerably better than that. Here's a list 
I'm happy to answer. You you tell us you tell us it was Mara Mara yep. Wilson was it Mara Wilson Mara Wilson right adolescent but now you've said that she's obviously really smart so is she Mara Wilson or is she Matilda make your mind up uh, well Mara Wilson is Matilda okay so getting into the news story today it's just came out that uh, Warner Brothers are planning on releasing all of their movies alongside theatrical releases on HBO Max. Uh, it's actually jumped up a lot of controversy. People are saying that it's um, destroying, the cine- destroying the cinema industry and maybe other streaming services might uh, follow down this path. Um, I just wanted to get a wee gauge on uh, what you guys thought, what you guys thought about this. Um, what do you guys reckon? What do you think, Alan? I think, obviously, with coronavirus and everything going on, it's probably the best business decision for obviously Warner Brothers and HBO but I just think as like an avid cinema goer I'm not gonna and also you already pay for Netflix, Amazon Prime all of this I'm not gonna pay for something else sure and I just feel like it's a bit un- unnecessary because then you're gonna have to go through all the downloading stuff and all that yeah, exactly. I think I find it kind of is definitely concerning this um, kind of the way that everyone's kind of going into their own little sections. You know, you have your Disney Plus, your Amazon Prime, your Netflix, and it's kind of like obviously, yeah, exactly, because that is you know your seven, eight pound a month, whatever it is, and then if you want to go see the cinema, like we're talking like ten, ten to fifteen pound a ticket, depending on where you're going. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely kind of it's definitely concerning that these this is now becoming the new kind of model for releasing films and what the knock on effect of something like this might be. Um, what do you, what what do you reckon, Sweeney? Yeah, uh, I think it will just uh, basically. I think the, the cinema and, and the actual you know the event of going to cinema and 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 going to see a film is is, is dying off. Uh, this is this is you know a sign of the times, and I think you know you can you know, from their perspective you can understand it as a as a kind of as a business decision. Um, I know obviously during COVID's. Um, it's it's just became a kind of all hands on deck and just doing anything to to, to keep the money coming in. But that, I yeah. mean, as far as as far as cinemas go, uh, you know, this could this could could well uh, kill off a few cinemas. And um, I, I know the kind of bigger chains, except you know your Odeons and your kind of Cineworld and stuff like that, have had to put in. You know, I think Odeon have they, they went down to a few days a week and stuff. Yeah. Um, and but uh, you know, uh, it's a sign of the times. I think it's probably sad to see, um, and it's, it's it's certainly not a welcome decision. I would say. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just find it so sad because obviously, yes, yeah, Cineworld's actually closed all of its UK cinemas, which is just mm-hmm. like yeah, it's just it's just it's just awful to think about, and um, it's just like it seems so sad that it's like this is like obviously cinemas existed since you know films existed. So it's just like it seems. It seems so sad that this is how it's coming down. But as as you say, it's a sign of the time. Obviously, with um, obviously with the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic, it's um, awful that these kind of things are going to have to happen. Because I know there is that kind of like obviously like going to the cinema definitely is the kind of it is the way you should watch a movie. Like um, all 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 loads of movies that have sat with me for a long longer time after watching or ones I've seen in the cinema. Like I went to go see Dunkirk in the IMAX and. Uh, Obviously, kind of the kind of spectacle of that, the kind of spectacle of that film, and the kind of massive surround sound and the huge screen. It was definitely just like the way that you needed to watch it, and it seems sad that in future generations, maybe we won't have that anymore. Yeah, I think you know, I think that kind of extends to all Nolan films. Just need to be experienced in the cinema. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> 
it's it's like it's mad that you maybe won't be able to catch a lot catch a lot of these movies, especially if they move away from cinemas entirely. Because obviously next year we have quite a few big titles coming out. There's the new Sopranos film, The Many Saints of Europe. We have uh, Godzilla vs Kong. I don't know if that interests many folks. <laughs> uh, there's also a new Space Jam movie coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna give that. An, I'm gonna give that an uh oh. Um, oh. see, and also uh, the new reboot of Suicide Squad, even though they only rebooted that, <laughs> even though they only rebooted that two, two minutes years ago. Well, two, two minutes ago. I, I seen that. I seen that Peter Capaldi's meant to be in that. Really? Is... In that, apparently, and uh, John Cena I think's in it as well. <laughs> oh <my laughs> of course, God, just, of course. Uh, just, <laughs> we're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, it's just that I mean, it's, de- it's definitely it's definitely a sad thing, and it's that you can know, like you can definitely see why it's sparking so much controversy. I mean, um, do you think you guys will pick up HBO Max um, in light of this, or what do you what do you reckon? I just think it like see before when it was just like the cinema and Netflix. Netflix was sort of a thing, but it wasn't really a thing. Like companies like Warner Brothers were competing to have the best films but now instead of competing to have the best films they're also competing to have the best films on their own platform so now instead of like instead of it being a choice of you go to the cinema what film are you going to see you're picking between two companies it's now you're going to go you're going to have to pick a company to to have your subscription with and then you have to watch all of their films like I think that's spot on it's like you're losing it I think People are saying, oh, it's technology, you're going to have so much more choice. But I feel like you're losing choice because nobody can afford, well, some people can, but I don't want to be subscribed to all of them because I have Netflix and Amazon Prime and I use them I use them both. But see if I was subscribed to Hey You and all of this, I, I feel like I would only, like at one point I had Now TV for a month just so I could watch Game of Thrones because it's not on anything else. And I feel like that is like, it's like consumerism gone mad. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's like, Total kind of co- exclusive kind of corporate. It's taken away from the, the heart of the filmmaking. Like, obviously, if you want to see a film, you would go to the cinema and see it. But now, if you want to see a film that isn't in the cinema and is only on their specific site, you, you probably won't go, you won't probably won't go to the effort to, to download the app and to make an account and to subscribe for the month just to watch one film. You would just leave it. So, I yeah. feel like they're losing customers. Absolutely. I, what, what I, was, I think that's absolutely spot on. I think like the, the, the fact you have to, you know, choose between, you know, uh, you know, uh, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Now TV, there's now obviously Disney Plus and stuff like that. I think it's, 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 it's an absolute nightmare because people have sitting with two, three subscriptions. Uh, and, and as, as you said there, you know, you're always you're at the behest of whatever films are putting on. Um, and plus, what I, what I think as well is it kind of alienates a certain demographic. So, like you know, a lot of older people might not be able to, you know, have subscriptions, etc. You know, they they'd probably enjoy going to cinema more often. Than, sorry, more often than the younger people do. But we tend to find that they are more kind of younger people are more inclined to to watch Netflix and now TV, uh, etc. So I just think, as I said uh, before, you know, it's a sign at the times and it's quite sad. And I, I mean, it's, it's not to say that they're not, they're not good things. Um, I mean, Netflix is certainly, they've obviously started um, making originals uh, and their films are fantastic, uh, original films, documentaries, etc. Um, and there's something to be said to that. You know, they've been absolutely brilliant. But mm-hmm. I, again, it's... Um, it's, uh, it's it's sad to see it's going to be so dominated by um, streaming. 
as it seems to be there. Yeah, kind of the I think it has system. it has its pros and cons because as these as these stream sites as these stream sites get kind of richer and richer, obviously they have more money to throw it. Um, throw out these great originals and then it makes it so much more annoying because then you have to be subscribed to see these great things yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see otherwise whereas like in a theater they're playing all they're playing all the movies available at that time but you know it's just like i know it's just kind of it's just kind of as well as um we're just going to see how this thing pans out over the next week else here people react see how the kind of cinemas react and survive um in the coming kind of coming few years but I think that kind of wraps up our chat for today. So um, uh, thanks very much, everyone, for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, thank you for joining us, as always, uh, AJ. No problem. See you again soon. And uh, thanks again for chatting to us, uh, Sweeney. It's, uh, it's always good to have you on. No problem at all. Cheers, guys. Right, then, uh, right, thanks very much, guys. Follow us on uh, social medias and uh, keep on us for updates and all sorts of this, that, and the next thing. So uh, see you later, guys. See you later. Cheers, guys. Bye.